It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Reds fans? I'm Jeff Carr, and you are Locked On Reds. And here we go. It is Friday. That's right, we've come to the end of the week. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to the Locked On Reds podcast. Today, we've got a great conversation between myself and Stephen Offenbaker from the Reds Alert podcast. The man hails from Hawaii, and he is a diehard Reds fan with a pretty awesome weekly podcast there. And, well, I guess we'll talk for a minute about Thursday's game. Or, you know, I don't know. You know what? This this best describes how I'm feeling right now. One more loss. One more loss, which could have been a win. You call yourselves professionals. I have never, ever seen a worse group of 25 players. You don't think as a team. You don't play as a team. You don't even lose as a team. You all got your heads so far up your butts, you can't even see the light of day. All right, so maybe it's not a worse group of 25 players, but the lineup sure is anemic. Hopefully we can see that improve over the weekend. But they've gone 19 straight innings without scoring a run, so, you know, run watch is officially on. Hopefully we see it soon. Anyway, let's get to the conversation. I had a really good time talking with Stephen Offenbaker. I think you guys are going to like it too. Here we go. For today's Phone It In Friday, I have with me from the Big Island of Hawaii, the man who hosts the Reds Alert podcast. Definitely go check that out. You can even find that on the same platforms with which you find the Lockdown Reds podcast. Definitely recommend it. But he's Stephen Offenbaker. Steve, how you doing, man? Aloha. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Absolutely. I really appreciate you coming on. And, you know, I just kind of wanted to lead in, kind of start me off. Walk me through what got you to being a Reds fan. Well, it's pretty interesting. I mean, I'm probably the same as uh, most everybody that that has this team as their favorite team. You know, I was born in Ohio, actually. I was born in Springfield, Ohio. Oh, nice. And over the course of my life, I have just continually drifted west. I went back and forth between Ohio and Texas for a lot of years growing up, and then to California, and then ultimately from California to Hawaii, where um, I've gone just about as far west as I can go unless I want to pick a new country. So uh, Hawaii nice. it is for me, and... Uh, you know, technology has made it so easy to be a, a remote fan now that uh, I'm able to follow the Reds and keep up with them on a daily basis. Is there kind of a point you can look at and be like, man, this is what hooked me. This is what reeled me in and kept me as a Reds fan. Well, you know, growing up uh, at the time that I grew up, you know, um, 
you know, I was a kid in the eighties when, you know, Pete was breaking the hit record and then rolling towards 1990 when, uh, the Reds won their last world series. So, you know, you take those things into account and we had, there was some success there and there was some excitement and there were, uh, you know, the good times at Riverfront stadium and, you know, growing up as a kid, those things, you know, I grabbed a hold of them and, uh, stayed latched onto them. So no matter how far I've gone, um, I've, I've stayed a fan and, you know, it helped as I started my, my drifting West that, um, I could still get 700 WLW sometimes at night, even when I was in Texas. So I was able to kind of follow the team. And then once I got to California, it was a little bit harder, but technology started to catch up. Um, in the early 2000s, and I was able to uh, follow the team again. And then by the time I reached Hawaii, between the advent of MLB.tv and um, iHeartRadio and those kind of things, I've really been able to uh, to stay a fan. I've always appreciated those apps. I, I lived in not west but south of here, a uh, bunch of different states, and like. MLB at bat and like you said MLB TV were like huge deals for me because I lived in the area where the Braves dominated TV so it was nice to be able to watch the Reds is there ever been a point um, and maybe even recently where maybe you're wearing something Reds and maybe not the the plain sea like for instance I was in San Diego just last July and I had a hat with Mr. Redlegs on it not necessarily the sea and someone pointed to that and was like, "What? what is that? Have you ever had that moment? Well, you know, it's it's very interesting because where I live here, um, you know, Hawaii is a melting pot of various countries, cultures, and uh, a lot of tourism. So there, there's always – I'm always running into somebody from Ohio or at least Red's country, you know, be it Kentucky, Tennessee, Indiana, Pennsylvania – and they they recognize it instantly. So whether I have my Reds gear on, my Bengals gear on, or um, my Ohio State stuff, people instantly uh, are recognizing it. And I can't tell you how many different times I've been in my Ohio State gear and been a random place shopping or whatever and had somebody yell out OH at me. So, um, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it does happen just because I think there's so many tourists that pass through here on the Big Island. That's what's up. I hope to be one of those tourists here soon. Um, there on the Big Island being, you know, the crazy time difference, how, how is that? Is that pretty tough to mesh with? Because, like, I mean, especially today with the noon game, it was a 6 a.m. your time. Right. So it's, it's interesting. A regular, um, a regular evening start, I generally won't be able to catch those live. But, uh, you know, as I mentioned, MLB TV is great in that um, it instantly archives and I can watch the game nice. as as soon as I am able. Um, my my everyday day job is actually a night job. I work graveyard. So typically the way it'll go for me is I will come home from work and sleep and wake up and go straight to the game and then go to social media to make my comments or uh, – <laughs> engage on it so i will so the game won't be spoiled for me in that way i will uh i'll watch it as soon as i wake up and then start commenting on it i want to learn about the reds alert pod because you've had i mean it's a great podcast i've listened to it uh here for a little while tell me how that got started 
Well, it's very interesting how this whole thing happened. You know, I've always wanted to do a podcast and I've never been able to to pull the trigger on on getting it going just with time restraints and things like that. But I mentioned it to my uh, my buddy in Hilo on this island. Uh, his, you heard him on uh, Red's Alert podcast. His name is Christopher Schluter. Okay. And he's actually, uh, you know, he went to St. Xavier High School in Cincinnati, graduated from Xavier University. And wow. he's done like me in the, the Drift West. And we actually met here on the Big Island. And, you know, we're both diehard Reds, diehard Bengals guys. So I mentioned to him that, you know, I want to do this podcast. And I always thought I was going to do a political podcast. But the the political climate for the last four years has really just turned me off of that. Sure. But I finally, with the with the sports climate and with the Reds specifically, the off season really got me motivated and got me excited about Reds baseball again. So taking those things into account, I decided this was the year. This was the time I was going to launch the podcast. So I talked with him, and he got super excited. And the next thing I know, uh, we have all of these um, tremendous guests lined up. People are just dying to talk about the Reds. So. Um, it all fell into place fairly quickly from it was two weeks from the time we sat down at a restaurant in Hilo till I put the first episode out. That's awesome. I, I know I, I listened um, to the Lance McAllister episode and then, like you said, perfect year to do it. Let's talk about this year. Gum, you know, with all the offseason moves and then. Um, just kind of the buzz around spring training. I'm not going to say the way that they played in spring training because that really doesn't matter. But how do you see this season playing out? Well, you know, you mentioned spring training, and this was the most well-attended uh, spring training the Reds have had since being in Goodyear. And uh, I was one of those people that went out there, uh, myself and Chris both journeyed to Goodyear and took in a week of spring training. And, you know, that was really helpful to get a, a eyes on, not not TV, not filtered, not what somebody else wanted to show me, but actually get eyes on. And on paper, this Reds team is very exciting and should be doing uh, a lot of good things to at least remain competitive. Now, that hasn't transitioned to the field just yet, but there are there are some good things that have happened in this relatively you know short start to the season. And there are some things that cause concern. For me, there's uh, there's some real excitement um, having seen Luis Castillo pitch his second game this season. Both both of his starts have been tremendous. He was lights out today. Uh, I felt like on opening day, uh, the pitch count limited him. But I believe he could have gone another inning or so and was having uh, great results. Uh, the flip side of that in the pitching, there's a lot of concern for me around Rysel Iglesias. I feel like watching him that there's something wrong with him that you know his velocity is down he doesn't look comfortable you see him you know gesturing and looking at the the radar gun during the the course of the game and I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if he continues to pitch the way he's pitching right now I wouldn't be surprised in a week or two we suddenly hear that he has some kind of tendonitis or some kind of uh, twinge in his elbow and they shut him down and uh, see if that doesn't uh, alleviate the problem. But something's definitely wrong, not only watching him on TV, but having seen him in person. He wasn't right from Goodyear. I'm right there with you with Iglesias. Like, his last outing in which he came out of the bullpen and he, he still struggled, there was a shot of him, and it was after Tucker had come up to talk to him and kind of calm him down a little bit. And as Tucker was jogging back to home plate, Rysel was just kind of looking up into the sky, and he had this look on his face like we've all had this look of like what on earth is going on, and it just looked like, you know, kind of like you said, being there and being able to watch it unfiltered. You're like, all right, 
something, something's not right. Like he's searching for answers, and that's not not really a good thing with the season being underway now. And 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 you're right. And it's not just Iglesias that's been wearing that expression lately. If you uh, if you jump over to the position player side of things, there are a lot of Reds hitters right now that walk away from home plate with that same confused look on their face. Um, I really can't wrap my head around what's going on with the Reds outfield right now. I think uh, I, I I don't know if this is baseball karma that it's hitting us for the way that <laughs> the outfield was handled with Senzel or I don't know exactly what it is that's happening. But Shebler looks like he has forgotten how to hit uh, the opposing pitchers have apparently found this gaping hole in his swing that is high and tight on him and he can't hit it and he can't lay off of it. You know, it reminds me of a league of their own where, you know, <laughs> you lay off the high ones, but I like the high ones. You know, he can't uh, he can't keep himself from doing it and he looks terrible in the process uh you know if you had told me prior to opening day that we would get this far into the season and only Yasiel Puig would have a hit amongst the group of Reds outfielders and I know Kemp got a hit today but going into today's game nobody that was playing outfield had hit the ball yet and if you had told me that prior to opening day I would have said you were crazy looking at the way that this lineup looked on paper right and Shepler it's almost as if he's hitting with a fly swatter like I mean, even if he comes near it, if it's a pitch that's lower in the zone, he fouls it off so, like, he gets very little contact with it. It's, It looks like it's psyching him out right now, and it's something that has almost gotten in his head mentally, and you wonder where the recovery is, because with this team, I mean, I know that they've tried to play Jesse Winker in center field, but I really don't think they want to. I mean, at least from a fan standpoint, I don't want to see that. <laughs> um, maybe they start Lorenzen out there, but it just seems like they need to give him a day to just kind of chillax, maybe sit in an ice bath for a minute or something. Uh, something has to be done. You can't continue to run Shebler out there in hopes that he's just going to figure it out. I think this Pittsburgh series is going to be very telling. Um, if he doesn't start hitting the, bo- the ball, they're going to have to make some kind of move. I don't want Jesse Winker in center field for any extended period of time. Mm-hmm. I don't think that putting Lorenzen out there as a as a starter is a good idea either. I mean, I the the role they've the role they've carved out for him could be uh, an advantage to the Reds in the long term. But him as a starter is not that that role. I think if Shevler continues to struggle by the end of this Pittsburgh series, like he has struggled thus far, there should be some consideration given to uh, exercising the option they have with him, send him to Louisville, bring up Phil Irvin, and and let Shebler figure it out in AAA. And in the meantime, you've got Irvin, who is, I think from what I saw this year, a slight defensive upgrade in center field over Shebler, and somebody that um, you know was hitting well heading into the season, was seeing the ball well. And I know that spring stats don't always necessarily translate to regular season, but at the very least, Irvin could not be worse than what we've got with Shebler right now. Right. And and I'll admit I'm kind of a Irvin homer. I, I really enjoyed watching him play last year, and I felt like in the small sample that he got, he was pretty good. So I, I was surprised, especially with the spring that he had, that he didn't make the roster after Scooter went on the disabled. So I understood if, like, everyone was healthy, I didn't see Irvin making it. But with him – you know, with Scooter on the injured list and with and with Nick Senzel, obviously they're working with the service time and all this stuff. I, You know, they can say defensive issues and stuff like that, but they're taking advantage of this loophole, and that's fine. That's great. I just wish they would have said that. 
which they never would. But anyway, that's getting way off topic. But, yeah, I'm with you. I need to see Phil Irvin up here if Shebler just can't hit. Guys, real fast, I want to take a moment out of today's podcast to plug BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com has a special offer for listeners of the Lockdown Reds podcast. Just head on over to their website, BlueChew.com, and enter promo code MLB. You'll get a free offer from them. You just pay $5 in shipping. They'll send over a little bit of their product to you at your door. Blue Chew has the same active ingredient as Viagra or Cialis, and it works very quickly in a chewable form. If you're looking for a performance boost, then look no further than Blue Chew. It is the fast, easy, and cheap way to get that performance boost, and through this special introductory offer, go over to their website, bluechew.com, enter promo code MLB for a free shipment today. Do you see Sonny Gray being as bad as he was in his first start? Well, you know, talking about Sonny Gray, there's some things to take into account with him. I mean, number one, we knew when he came over here he was going to be a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Just because he left Yankee Stadium, he wasn't suddenly going to be the guy that was pitching for the Oakland A's in 2014-2015. Derek Johnson's going to need some time to get him right. The other thing to take into account with Sonny's start is it was 35 degrees, and Sonny Gray is a curveball pitcher. And I don't know... If you have experience pitching a baseball, but, you know, you can't feel your fingers when it's 35 (laughs) degrees and you're trying to throw a curveball. You have to be able to squeeze the seams. And if you can't feel the ball, you can't, you know, it's a very nuanced thing. And I feel like it's not an excuse. And Sonny said that after the game. He was like, you know, the other guy, he was pitching in the cold, too, and he did just fine. Mm -hmm. So I give give Sonny Gray a lot of credit for that. But I I am by no means ready to push the panic button on Sonny Gray. I think if... The temperatures are within a normal baseball range. In his next start, we're going to see a marked improvement from him. And, you know, people need to to allow Derek Johnson time to correct whatever it is that went sideways with Sonny Gray. Ultimately, I think he's going to be a great addition to this rotation. In the short term, there's going to be some growing pains. I totally agree with you. And, and I feel like they consulted Derek Johnson before they went ahead, made the trade, and even made the extension because I don't – I would like to believe that our front office is smart enough to not sign a guy on a three-year deal based on what he did, you know, two years ago in Oakland or three years ago in Oakland. And I feel like that they see something, they know something, and we're going to see that come to fruition. I'm with you there. And it's funny, something that you mentioned a little bit earlier, getting on social media and Twitter and all that different stuff. Man, Red's Twitter is a very interesting place right now. Well, it it is, and I don't I don't necessarily um, begrudge people at this point their no, no. Uh, their negativity. You know, this team this is a, this is a team that has lost ninety games in four consecutive seasons, and during the process, they've told you uh, trust us, trust us, trust us, and at some point that that well of goodwill runs dry, and I I think you know as an overall fandom that well of goodwill has in fact run dry, and. You know, if you listen to a uh, Bill Lack on uh, Red Lake Nation Radio, he's always talking about being from Missouri. He wants you to show him, and I think that's where a majority of Reds country is right now. Don't tell us what you're gonna do. Don't don't blow sunshine and kittens at us. Go out there and win some baseball games, and then we will get on board with you. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that at this point. 
that's and no and I, I'm with you there like I had said earlier on Twitter you know if if you're thinking that they're done that's a little bit too far but I can't I mean if you've got nothing but doubt in your mind you know surrounding this Reds team I definitely can't fault you there because they've got they they've done nothing of actual evidence to get us excited it's like ever since those strong moves then they send down Zenzel now they're one in four now they've you know, we've lost Hunter Green to Tommy John after what everyone said. He was rehabbing all right. And, you know, I'm, I'm no injury expert. I've basically deferred that whole thought process to smarter folks that know the health side of things. But from what those people have said, it's kind of a mixed bag. Some think that, you know, it's okay because he was deciding on his own he didn't want surgery. And, to be honest with you, I totally level with that. I don't want someone cutting on me if they don't have to. And then there's the other folks that are saying, well, it's not necessarily this one issue that the Reds mishandled. It's his whole development that they've mishandled. And and that I, I don't feel qualified enough to comment on. But when it comes to all of that, it really is. Like like you said, like them coming out and starting one in four from a fan interest perspective is probably the worst thing, other than going 0 and 5, of course, is the worst thing they could have done. Well, and, and you're right. And I'm glad you brought up Hunter Green because I feel like the criticism of the organization that's being associated with Hunter Green's unfair. Um, you know, you hit on it. You know, ultimately, the decision to, to have or not have surgery was squarely on hunter green and i don't blame him i don't blame him for not wanting to get cut on but you know a pitching arm suffers more wear and tear than anybody else in a regular everyday life and when everybody was saying well he feels fine he feels great um he wasn't pitching and dick williams was went on record I think two weeks ago and was talking about Hunter Green saying that, you know, he was feeling some things, so they were backing off of him and then they would they would advance again and he would start feeling some things and they would back off. You know, I mean that's all you can do from an organizational standpoint when you have a guy that's telling you he doesn't want to have surgery. So clearly from for weeks now there's been something wrong with his elbow. And he was trying to, you know, push through it, but this is just simply something you can't push through. And I'm with you there like with the way that the Reds have started, this is just another pin that people are pushing into the, you know, the voodoo doll that is the negativity surrounding the Reds. How do you see, um, and, and kind of changing gears a little bit, some a dude that I've been quiet about, but do you see Joey Votto bouncing back? It, it, and maybe not to Joey Votto-likeness, because that is another echelon of player, but do you think he can approach it? Well, you know, if the question is, are we going to get 2017 Votto ever again you know, in contention for the MVP? I think that that might be a stretch at this point in his career. Uh, what I expect from Joey Votto is tremendous on-base percentage. Uh, I, I expect a lot of hits, a lot of walks. I think his power numbers are probably not going to return to the levels that we've seen before. Uh, you know, I he could be good for 15 to 20 home runs, but I don't really see much more than that out of him. I think he'll continue to work on his defense and be solid at, at first base. And I think uh, given all of those things, I think he's still going to be a, a, a valuable contributor to the team. And with the contract that he's currently under, I don't I don't foresee running into a situation where 
we're going to be saying, wow, look at all of this money that he's making and not producing. Uh, I don't think he'll fall into the same kind of trap that we see with like a pull holes. I think that Votto um, in the, the two hole up in the top of the lineup as an on base guy will be valuable for this team. Absolutely. And I, I think that's why I, I think the Reds kind of have that foreknowledge of like, look, he's not going to be that 25, 30 home run guy, but he's still going to be ultra valuable at the top of the lineup. So maybe not third, but we'll bat him second. And I'm, I'm really happy with where they've slotted him in. I feel like that's where he's going to provide them the, the most value for this season. And then, uh, uh you know, let's uh, maybe round third and head for home here, wrap it up a little bit. A, a Okay, not really contentious, but it's, it's a different philosophy of baseball. To sacrifice or not to sacrifice, <laughs> that is the question. Now, I'm going to be all boring and say that the numbers actually support not sacrificing and maybe even a little bit of just a biased fan that wants to see singles instead of moving them over. But kind of like in the situation two nights ago where hindsight's 2020, they bunt over Lorenzen and then Joey Votto's fly ball scores them, tie game, we're still playing baseball. How... Um, how do you see small ball best working with this team? So I think it's situational. And, you know, last year we saw that, you know, Jim Riggleman may have used the bunt a little too much. But in specifically the situation you're talking about uh, the other night with the Reds, you know, we had Shebler at the plate who hasn't been able to hit the broadside of a barn. <laughs> We've got a leadoff double against a pitcher that doesn't give up very many hits. Hayter's been lights out uh, for more than just a little bit. He might be one of the toughest lefties in the National League right now. So you take those things into account and you look at the thing situationally. You've got a lefty in Shebler followed by a lefty in Votto. You've got Casale on second base. You have two options at that point. You can pinch run with Lorenzen, which is what they did, or you could pinch hit with Lorenzen and ask him to go up there and bunt. So since they put Lorenzen at second base and had Shebler at bat, who cannot hit right now for whatever the reason is, mm -hmm. for me the situation dictates that you play small ball. You got him on, now you get him over, then you can get him in. And you're right, hindsight is 2020. There was no way to know ahead of time that Votto was going to hit that fly ball. But I'll tell you this. If I've got Joey Votto coming to the plate knowing I just need him to make contact, I need him to make deep contact, there's a guy that you can count on to at least put the bat on the ball in most situations. So I think at that point, I think that Bell missed an opportunity to manage the Reds into a run. I agree with you about the situational aspect because and, – and maybe it is that I blame Jim Riggleman for my – Hatred is a strong word, but it's very close. It's a very strong dislike of the idea of bunting. And I think it's because of Riggleman. But I, you know what? I will say that it is a necessary thing when it comes to different situations. I think if you just need that one run and like a guy who can make the contact that Joey can make, I will concede that it would have worked there. I did have issue with it last night, though. Well, let me let me add in because yeah, yeah. you know if, when I say look at it situationally, you know if we take that same scenario, if it's 
if it's Votto on second base and you've got Puig and Suarez coming up, you you, there, you absolutely do not consider the bunt. Right. But you take into the account what you're working with in the moment. And I just I think Bell David Bell failed to do that. He he didn't take into account the lefty on lefty matchups that he was dealing with. He didn't take into account the struggles of Scott Shebler. So um you know, maybe he was trying to make up for that last night when he called for the bunt when he did. I don't know, yeah. but you know, you know David's David's a new manager. And and just like when you've got a guy playing a new position, it takes him some time to get in the groove. I think we're going to have to give David Bell that same level of leeway. We're going to have to let him grow into the managerial position. Uh, you can't you can't count anything that was happening in Goodyear during spring training because the situations are so bizarre and players are working on things. So you know you're talking about a guy now that has five games under his belt. You know I right. think we should cut him a little bit of slack, but at the same time he needs to learn from the mistakes along the way. I'm with you. He's coming from a purely analytical point of view, and that's why analytics are so woven into the fabric of the 2019 Reds as opposed to really any other iteration of the team. And probably that's what he saw in that instance was just the 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 raw numbers and not necessarily considering the situation. And then he flip-flopped it last night and was like, okay, well, maybe it will work in this instance, but he didn't take into account he's got Tucker up there. Tucker's a much better contact hitter, I think, and I can't remember the last time he tried to lay down a butt. Now, I'm not saying he couldn't, but um, it felt like one of those scenarios where, yeah, he's still feeling it out. I think the first uh, go of the rotation with Castillo, kind of like you mentioned in the beginning, where they had a very strict pitch count, he definitely could have gone another inning, I thought. I, I'm with you there. I think that that's probably something they came up with in the preseason. They said, okay, hard and fast, this is what we're going to do. And it's another kind of growing pain that they got to go through to figure out how to best work through that and not overwork your bullpen first off too early. No, you're absolutely right. And, you know, we're seeing things with the pitching staff that we've never seen before as far as the way that they've trained in Goodyear, the way that they're being utilized here in the early start of the season I think David Bell might be a little quick on his hook right now that like you said that could be pre-programmed with a hard fast pitch counts but there's been some bright spots the way Castillo has pitched has been a bright spot I liked what I saw from uh, Anthony DiScofani in his start I mean just the fact that he's starting a game in April is an accomplishment all by itself so you know there's there's some hope there's reasons to be hopeful it's not it's you know I was telling uh, I was telling Christopher Schluter today. It's not time to push the panic button, but you know maybe we need to get the keys in the ignition and get the cover off because <laughs> it, it, we're close to the panic button. But there, there's still reasons to be optimistic. There's still there's still a lot of good things with this team. You just got to get it all put together. I'm with you. And just one final quick thought: Do you think the Reds trim down the walk total that they've given up so far? You know, I we got I gotta hope so. I feel <laughs> yeah. like uh, I, I I feel like actually beyond hope so. I, I'm I'm pretty confident that that's gonna happen. Um, you know, I feel like what we saw from Tanner Rourke the other day, for me, again temperatures were cooler. I think that uh, 
the first inning was a result of the colder temperatures, the the extra adrenaline of his making his first start in a new place, mm-hmm. and the the fact that it takes a little bit longer to get warm. I think he got warm, and we saw a different pitcher come back out in the second inning. Uh, as far as Sonny Gray goes, uh, you know, you got to think that um, he's going to continue to improve and go on an upward climb. So I feel like you know those numbers will improve. So uh, we haven't seen Tyler Molly yet, but you know I'm I'm confident as a number five starter he can definitely fill that role. And let's not forget that sometime in the next three to five weeks, you know Alex Wood will be entering this rotation, and and that's a significant upgrade over last year. Absolutely, I I do feel like we as fans at least have our first opportunity this coming weekend with the road series in Pittsburgh and the second starts of Sonny Gray and Tanner Rourke, our first opportunity to kind of evaluate Derek Johnson's role with the team. You know, that's that's absolutely right. I think that uh, the thing with a good pitching coach is, you know, he's going to have to be able to take a look at what the pitchers give him and help them to make adjustments. So specifically in the case of Gray, Hopefully he's been working with him and they've been reviewing film and he can help him make the needed adjustments to have more success the next time out. Absolutely. Hey, real quick, what have you got coming on the pod this week? So uh, this coming week we're going to be uh, doing kind of a, a crossover type of an episode. You know, the Masters is coming up um, in golf and there seems to be a lot of relationship between uh, – baseball fans and and fans of golf in general. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do an episode with a uh, a professional golf agent. Mike Michael Wolf is going to be joining us as our guest. He's a, a a golf agent. One of his clients is Jim Herman, Cincinnati guy. Nice. So uh he's going to come on and talk about uh golf and some of the things he's involved with and the Masters and then, you know, these are Cincinnati guys, so they're going to talk about uh, a lot of the same questions you ask me. How did they get to be Reds fans? What kind of things have kept them loving this team over the years? Uh, things like that. And uh, I encourage anybody that um, isn't following my podcast, it's uh, on Twitter, at Reds Alert Pod. You can get it on all the same podcasting platforms that Locked on Reds is available. Um, you can check out our website, uh, RedsAlertPodcast.com. And uh, all of our back episodes are available. There's interviews with uh, Major League Baseball scout Rod Janeway. There's interview with uh, C. Trent Rosecrans, interviews with Lance McAllister, uh, Joe Bick, who's a pro star management in Cincinnati, a sports agent. Um, big catalog of guys. Chad Dotson's got an interview on there. So uh, there's plenty available to listen to. That's awesome, man. It sounds like it'll be a podcast unlike any other. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Steve, I really appreciate you coming on. Stephen Offenbaker from the Reds Alert Podcast. I really appreciate getting to talk with him. And like he said, go check him out and all the major podcast platforms that you can find the Locked On Reds Podcast. Stephen, really appreciate talking with you. I hope to talk with you again soon. Oh, anytime. Aloha. That crossover pod sounds like an awesome episode. I'm definitely going to be looking for that from Stephen. Great talking with him. Uh, it's really good 
podcast, definitely go check out the Reds Alert pod. And thank you for downloading the Locked On Reds podcast today, my conversation with Stephen Offenbaker. If you've missed anything from this week, definitely go back and download it. It's been an interesting week, and uh, the weekend is finally here. I will talk to you guys on Monday, hopefully recapping some better baseball. You're listening to the Locked On Reds podcast. Make sure you've subscribed on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and Himalaya now. All those wonderful apps, and there's probably even more. And then also check us out on social media, at Jeff Carr with three Fs and at Locked On Reds. And then go to LockedOnReds.com where we've got all kind of good content from our team of writers. Everyone have a great weekend. Go Reds, and I'll talk to you on Monday. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.